Welcome to your Catholic Corner. Merry Christmas. I'm your show host, Julie South. Your Catholic Corner helps Catholics spiritually prepare for each Sunday's Mass starting midweek each week. You can listen to Your Catholic Corner at yourcatholiccorner.com. Today, we're uncovering the biblical gems hidden in the books of the prophet Isaiah, Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, and John's Gospel. In Catholic speak, we're in the third week of Advent in year B. To make it easier for you and for me to better understand the Bible, we'll have a look at what was going on at the time these passages were written because you can't apply 21st century context to something that's thousands of years old. We need historical context. We'll listen to the passages and then I'll share my insights and reflections on what God might have been asking of us here in today's 21st century digital world. But before that, a quick word about your Catholic Corner. Just in case this is your first time here, regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey, Whether you've only just heard of that man called Jesus, you're new to Catholicism, or you're a cradle Catholic, my prayer is that your Catholic corner will help bring God's Word to life in your heart through insights, reflections, and practical applications that help deepen your relationship with God. Every Thursday, we'll start preparing for Mass by uncovering the richness hidden in each Sunday's Bible readings, from Old Testament prophecies to gospel parables. I invite you to join me and the parishioners of the Cathedral of the Blessed Virgin Mary in Hamilton, New Zealand, sponsors of Your Catholic Corner, so that together we can hear God's word and echo Samuel. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Now, let's get back to today's show. Last week, someone asked me what liturgically means because, although they were Christian, it wasn't a word that they'd come across before. Back before I lived in the light, and even for the first few years I was Catholic, I had no idea either. So, if that's you as well, here's what it means and what it relates to. First, liturgically and its derivatives, like liturgical, aren't just Catholic terms. However, it does have specific meanings for the Catholic Church. In the Catholic Church, liturgy refers to the formal worship service of the Catholic Church. It's how Catholics come together to pray as a community. The main way we do that is known as Mass. M-A-S-S. This is the ceremony where Catholics celebrate the Eucharist, the belief that bread and wine become the body and blood of Jesus. I'll explain what the Eucharist means in a minute. Liturgy is the public formal prayer participated in and the worship undertaken by the entire Catholic community. It's the prayers we participate in as one combined and one believing body of worshippers. Liturgy goes beyond praying in private. It involves set rituals, readings and hymns and all the other stuff that goes in to being 
part of the Catholic Church. Some of these sacred rituals are even more sacred than others, and those are what's known as sacraments. The majority of these sacraments in the Catholic faith can only be performed by an ordained priest. These sacraments, like baptism, marriage, and Holy Communion, are all part of Catholic liturgical celebrations. They use symbolic rituals that have stood the test of time to mark important faith milestones, for example, like being baptized, like being christened. Coupled with these ancient symbolic rituals, the liturgy also includes ceremonial rituals, and these are much more formal. These ceremonial rituals give praise and worship to God. As Catholics, we believe that liturgy, expressed the way we do it, brings us closer to God. Catholicism and the way Mass is celebrated today in the 21st century is very different to how it used to be celebrated back in even just as more recently, I guess it is recent, in the big clock of time, back in the 1960s. You may bump into some Catholics who remember lining up and kneeling on the altar of the church, waiting to receive Holy Communion, which could only be given by a priest. Back then, Mass was always said in Latin, and the priest had his back to the congregation. All of that was way before my time, but my in-laws still remember going to church and worshipping that way. Then, between 1962 and 1965, this event called Vatican II happened, and lots of things changed in the Catholic Church. I'll talk more about some of those changes in another episode. One of the things that changed because of Vatican II, though, is how Advent, the four weeks before Christmas, are celebrated. Pre-Vatican II, this period of Advent that we're in right now, four weeks before Christmas, was more solemn and more penitential. It was serious, it included fasting. Today, Advent is all about joy and anticipation. Now quickly, I mentioned this thing called Eucharist before. I said that Catholics go to church to Mass to celebrate the Eucharist. The Eucharist is one of the most important and holiest of rituals in the Catholic Church, and actually as well in other Christian denominations as well. The the Eucharist, also called Holy Communion or the Lord's Supper, is the Christian ceremony commemorating the Last Supper that Jesus shared with his 12 disciples before he was crucified. During the Last Supper, Jesus broke bread and shared wine with his disciples, the 12 disciples. He told them that the bread was his body and the wine was his blood. In the Catholic tradition, the Eucharistic liturgy, remember liturgy means public sharing, reenacts Jesus' Last Supper. As Catholics, we believe that through a miracle called transubstantiation, and more about that in another episode, the bread and wine transform into the actual body and blood of Jesus Christ during this ceremony. This is why the Eucharist is the focal point of the Catholic Mass. 
One of the points of difference between Catholicism and to, a gr- and to a degree Anglicanism as well is that you can go to any church service anywhere in the world, any Catholic church service anywhere in the world, and the service will be exactly what you're used to in your home country because they all follow the same liturgy. With a Catholic Mass service, you can pretty well rely on the service taking about an hour, give or take, anywhere in the world, unless it's a very special Mass, like at Christmas or at Easter. But generally, on Sundays, they're about an hour, give or take. Unlike other denominations, where you'll go to church and you'll never know whether the service is going to take a few minutes or an hour, or or, yeah, even plural, hours, If you go to a Catholic Mass, you're looking at about an hour. So if you went to Mass in Rome, Rotorua here in New Zealand, Romford or Reno, Nevada, you'll be able to follow along and participate fully because they all follow the same liturgical format. I hope that explains a bit of what liturgy means. And perhaps if you're a cradle Catholic like my husband, that maybe, just maybe, you may even have learnt something new today. However, if this is all new to you and you can feel it lighting a spark of curiosity in your head or your heart and you want to know more about Catholicism or Jesus, the best thing I recommend for you to do is to contact your local parish and ask to speak to the parish priest or the or his secretary. Seriously, they'll be only too pleased to be able to answer your questions. If you do that, please let them know that I suggested you do this because I'd like them to know that this podcast is making a difference in people's lives as well. So thank you for doing that. I hope that's helped answer a bit more about what liturgy means. In short, in summary, it's the public rituals that Christian churches have in place. Now, let's get back to the readings for this third Sunday in Advent. Today we're praying and looking at the Bible passages from the prophet Isaiah chapter 61, Paul's letter to the Thessalonians chapter 5, and John's gospel chapter 1. What do they have in common? Actually, is there anything in common? Because a lot of people don't realize that at a Catholic Mass, there is a lot of Bible stuff happening. Let's have a look and see if there's any connecting thread or threads, and if so, what do they look like? Well, firstly, these three passages are passages that are traditionally read during the Advent Christmas season in many Christian churches, not just the Catholic Church. Isaiah 61 contains prophecies about the coming of the Messiah, And 1 Thessalonians encourages living in joy and holiness as we await Christ's return. And in John, John's Gospel, John describes John the Baptist's witness to Jesus. 
All three mention the coming of Christ and preparing for his arrival. From the Old Testament with Isaiah, he prophesies about the coming Messiah. In the New Testament Gospel of John, John the Baptist prepares the way for Jesus and Paul calls on Christians in Thessalonica to live holy lives as they await Christ's return. There are themes of hope, of joy, and anticipation running through all of these three passages. Isaiah describes the good news that will come to the oppressed. In 1 Thessalonians, we have Paul encouraging believers to rejoice always as they wait for Jesus. And St. John, John the Evangelist, describes John the Baptist testifying to the light coming into the world. The passages emphasize the transformative, the absolutely transformative power of God's presence. In Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord brings restoration. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul prays that believers will be made holy when Jesus returns. And in John, Jesus is described as the true light coming into the world. Therefore, the connecting themes of these three Advent passages are their focus on the coming of Christ, their call to prepare, and for his holy arrival and and the holiness with Jesus being born, and their celebration of the hope and the transformation that Jesus brings. Because I've introduced both Isaiah and Paul and the Thessalonians to you before in other episodes, what I want to do today is have a look at John, the Apostle John, who talks about John the Baptist. By the way, they're not the same people. John, who's believed to be the author of John's Gospel, is one of the twelve, one of one of Jesus's inner twelve. Remember, I talked about the Last Supper earlier when I was explaining liturgy and the Eucharist. I said that a Catholic Mass reenacts the Last Supper. Well, the author of today's Gospel, John, also known as the Apostle John, Saint John, and John the Evangelist, isn't to be confused with John the Baptist, whom he's referring to in this passage. John the Baptist is someone completely different. But John the Evangelist was one of those 12 men at the Last Supper. John the Baptist, being referred to today, was who baptized Jesus. John the Baptist is a relative of Jesus. He's the son of Elizabeth, whom Mary went to visit after she found out that she was pregnant. When Mary was greeted by her relative Elizabeth, and Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist at the time. It was baby John the Baptist who kicked inside Elizabeth's womb. Even then, he knew that someone great was coming to the world. John the Evangelist, on the other hand, the author of John's Gospel, was the was one of the sons of Zebedee, and he was the younger brother of James. Jesus gave both the brothers the nickname Bernge, I think that's how you pronounce it, Boanerge. Sorry, my Aramaic is not that good. But that actually means sons of thunder. Scholars think this is because both of these men, James and John, were both passionate and zealous. Or zealous, zealous. 
As well as writing today's gospel, John the Evangelist also wrote three epistles, three letters. They're surprisingly known as 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. Now, let's pray along together from these three Bible passages. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord has been given to me, for the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up hearts that are broken, to proclaim liberty to captives, freedom to those in prison, to proclaim a year of favor from the Lord. I exult for joy in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me in the garments of salvation. He has wrapped me in the cloak of integrity, like a bridegroom wearing his wreath, like a bride adorned in her jewels. For as the earth makes fresh things grow, as a garden makes seeds spring up, so will the Lord make both integrity and praise spring up in the sight of the nations. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Thessalonians. Be happy at all times, pray constantly, and for all things give thanks to God because this is what God expects you to do in Christ Jesus. Never try to suppress the spirit or treat the gift of prophecy with contempt. Think before you do anything. Hold on to what is good and avoid every form of evil. May the Lord of peace make you perfect and holy, and may you all be kept safe and blameless, spirit, soul, and body for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. God has called you and he will not fail you. A reading from the Gospel of John. A man came sent by God. His name was John. He came as a witness, a witness to speak for the light so that everyone might believe through him. He was not the light, only a witness to speak for the light. This is how John appeared as a witness. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He not only declared, but he declared quite openly, I am not the Christ. Well then, they asked, Are you Elijah? I am not, he said. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We must take back an answer to those who sent us. What have you to say about yourself? So John said, I am, as Isaiah prophesied, a voice that cries in the wilderness, make a straight way for the Lord. Now these men had been sent by the Pharisees, and they put this further question to him. 
Why are you baptizing if you are not the Christ, and not Elijah, and not the prophet? John replied, I baptize with water, but there stands among you, unknown to you, the one who is coming after me. I am not fit to undo his sandal strap. This happened at Bethany, on the far side of the Jordan, where John was baptizing. What was God saying to you through these three men? Let's look at some of the metaphors that each man has used. In Isaiah 61, we have the metaphor of Christ as a doctor, a physician, just as doctors bind our injuries and heal broken bodies. Jesus, with love and compassion, gently binds up our broken hearts and heals our inner emotional wounds. Jesus does these things with care and love and tenderness, just like a father would to his child, which is what we are, you and I, you and me, children of God. Therefore, can we do as Jesus would do and comfort those suffering around us with the same levels of empathy, support, love and gentle care in their pain? If that metaphor isn't hitting it with you, how about the metaphor of robes of righteousness? The passage describes garments of salvation and robes of righteousness that we can be clothed in. Maybe we could exchange our spiritual dirty clothes for fine linen, for clean fine linen. Maybe we could clothe our spirits in virtues like kindness, integrity, gentleness, patience and holiness. How is your spirit dressed or clothed right now? Could your spiritual wardrobe perhaps do with a bit of a refresh? In 1 Thessalonians, Paul urges the Thessalonians to not quench the spirit in verse 19. How often do we quench God's spirit inside of us? We can all have the Holy Spirit, as Bishop Stephen Lowe says, as hearts aflame. This fire can energize and motivate us if we only but let God. But this Spirit isn't only for us to feel energized and motivated by. It's for us to keep a light so that others can feel God's Spirit from us. When we think of Advent as being a time of anticipation and of being ready to welcome Jesus, one way we can do this is to keep the home fires burning, that fire within our heart to keep it stoked up. And then finally, in John, in the the Gospel of John, we have the metaphor of Christ the light versus John's witness as a lamp. So we've got a light versus a lamp. In other words, Jesus shines brightly to light up our darkness, like the sun bursting through clouds on a gloomy day. I'm sure you can imagine those corpuscular rays, I think they are, when they're like God fingers coming down from the sky. So we've got 
God, Jesus, shining brightly through these clouds on a gloomy day, while John merely reflects a small glimmer of light, perhaps maybe a candle or a lamp, testifying to Christ. So how brightly is the Christ light that we carry around? How brightly does your Christ light shine? Are you like those corpuscular rays coming down from the from the the sky? the sky, through the clouds? Or are you just like a, a candle that flickers and could go out? Do we carry and reflect Christ's light by letting his love and grace shine through us to others through our small acts of love, kindness and compassion? you found all this information interesting and hopefully helpful. I hope that this podcast helps you prepare and maybe even understand just a teeny tiny incy wincy dinky little bit better the wonderful word of God and the beautiful traditions of the Catholic Church, of the Catholic faith. Thank you for spending the last half an hour or so of your life with God, Isaiah, Paul, John and me. I pray that each of these men, coupled with my humble input of history and context, contributes to making the difference that God wishes for you today in their own way in your life. Thank you for getting this far. Can I ask you to do me a huge favor, please? If you enjoyed today's show, can you please help me spread God's word about your Catholic corner? All you have to do is tell your friends and family about this podcast so that they hopefully can benefit as well. Letting them know about it is really easy. Just invite them to visit yourcatholiccorner.com where they can subscribe and follow the show from there. It's free. It doesn't cost anything at all. Thank you. Wherever you are, I pray that God's glass of love overflows in your heart and your life. And when you're ready, you're able to accept God's invitation to you to join Him to share in Holy Communion this week at your local parish. I also pray that you'll be able to hear Samuel's words and say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And finally, I'd like to say thank you to the parishioners of the Cathedral of the Blessed Virgin Mary in Hamilton who helped me bring this podcast to you today. This is Julie South signing off, wishing you a wonderful, blessed, Merry Christmas Advent week. Peace be with you. God bless. <music>